Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello Evertonians, this is the Toffee Word Podcast, back after another sharp drop on the Everton roller coaster with a second alarming away defeat in succession. We'll chat about that performance at Southampton and the challenges that Frank Lampard faces, take a look at the visit of the champions this coming weekend and ponder the weekly question which this time centres around football's past. Paul, Al, I think we're all agreed that the performance at Newcastle was pretty bad, even allowing for how up for it the Barcos and their fans were. The last 75 minutes at St. Mary's were worse, weren't they? Yeah, it was pretty pitiful, wasn't it, really? I, I, I missed the first uh, the first 15 minutes. Um, and the whole commentary, they kept referring to these first 15 minutes and how Everton was so positive and uh, might have had the penalty and all that. Like So, yeah, <laughs> I was expecting something to happen at some point during the game. But we played that well for 15 minutes. I haven't seen a second of it. You'd imagine they'll, they'll come good at some point. But the... Um, they really didn't, did they? It was um, the substitution didn't that having to make the substitution or Lampard deciding how to make the substitution didn't really help. I guess did it? I think uh, we were speaking about the frustrations of um, Andre Gomez a few weeks ago, and he frustrated life out of me again with not getting into the game and not being able to adapt to the tempo of the game, and that was a real, real frustration once again. And uh, yeah, to, to to end it, I think whenever you end a game without a shot on target, it's it's it, it, it's a poor show, isn't it? And um, yeah, it was about as about as meek a surrender as I can remember. Really, that that second half it was just really poor throughout, wasn't it? I think they were Southampton were like winning every fifty fifty ball. They were like you know first to every ball. It just it just looked so flat, didn't we? It, it looked as if we played on like Wednesday or Thursday and then had to play again on the Saturday or something. And we didn't you know it didn't look like we had a full week off buoyant from a good win yeah we just looked really really flat and they look like a much they would they, they obviously are much more much better an organized team than us currently um and yeah it was a real real frustrating real frustrating day out and yeah uh 
<laughs> just so they don't have to dwell on, uh, dwell on it too much and um, can lift themselves for the uh, for the champions on Saturday, uh, Sun, yes, yeah, Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, real real bad day at the office, wasn't it? Yes, Southampton away. It just followed that similar pattern that we've seen. That you know we've come to know this so often with Everton now that you know you, you see them put in so much effort with the, with the fans behind them at Goodison one one week, and then you know the effort might still be there away, but the, the ideas just seem to go out the window. They they seem to to not be able to mm-hmm. play uh, football sometimes. It, it, there's just no no cohesion. There's no there's no like impetus. Um, I think I think that's the word, Paul, that you used. It was just flat. There was we just didn't get going at all. And you know, Southampton are on that run, and obviously they're the home side. They've got their fans behind them. And if you if you allow a team to get a foothold of the of the game going into the you know the 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 last forty five and and they get a goal, we know that this Everton team doesn't really get back into games. Um, so it was it. It's followed a very similar pattern. I don't think any of us were. <laughs> We're that shocked by uh, by what we saw, really, because it is this Everton side are, are sort of predictably unpredictable. It's so uh, it it just go it just goes on and on that you know you just you just don't know what you're gonna get with this Everton side. But then away from home, you sort of the writing's on the wall. Even after that positive opening 15 minutes, there was just nothing there, um, and it is a worry that you know that. The conditions have to be just right for this Everton side, but you, you can't do that in the Premier League. You won't win games of football if you if you need to be, you know, um, helped through games by so many factors. Um, so it is, it, it's worrying. And for me now, that the way the season's gone, I think since Lampard came in, I've as, as a fan looking at the table, I've just put all my eggs in the basket of the home games. And if we get anything on the road, it's a bonus. And uh, you know that's that's what it proved to be at Southampton. It was another defeat, and uh, it's just, you know the, the players they need to they need to find consistency because it is seriously damaging to the team. Yeah, it's damaging to the psychology, and and that's I mean I think we we touched on it last time. It's it's psychology. It seems to be everything for me. Just watching them, I mean that 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 first fifteen minutes really was quite good. I mean there wasn't much in the way of end product, but they were probing. They were they were keeping the ball well. There was purpose, um, and then you know that that word foothold that you used, Al. I mean, that, that as soon as Southampton got a foothold on the game, you could just see the um, the the confidence change, and that coupled with um, Alan's booking, you could just see that, that everything changed at that moment, um, and, and that's really where they took hold of proceedings. Um, and you could see them growing in confidence, and they had weathered, you know, that that sort of early storm that we had, and then after that, just just didn't look back. Um, and I think, particularly, well, yeah, especially away from home, I think we're going to have to be a little less naive about game management. Um, I think we're we're a bit too open after that. If you don't if you don't get the early goal. And if you're not pinning the home team back, then I think you have to revert into more of a defensive posture. And obviously with the land walking a disciplinary tightrope, it was that much harder. Um, and just as we saw the last time we played Southampton away, I mean, they just, they got on top and, and just played us off the park. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's lots of discussion on Twitter afterwards about how, you know, they're they're mentally fragile 
and you know they all there's no spirit and there's no fight but for me it's 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 that classic um cliche about it being a team game you know if it, it needs everyone or it needs the majority of them to be to be on it and there are just too many players as we know that are reliant on those around them to be performing well you know michael Keane's a confidence player alex awobi needs things around him to be to be ticking he needs options to you know, to pass to Dominic Calvert-Lewin is very service-reliant in the box, either from crosses, which I think there was a statistic someone shared that we didn't get any, didn't have a successful, you know, chance-creating cross in the entire game, in addition to not having any shots on target. Um, and it's just very difficult as a team to play well or effectively, um, even at a base level when, when, when you just don't have a midfield. I mean, the midfield is key to everything. Um, and you know, because a lack of a midfield makes the defense look bad, looks makes the attack look bad, and it just makes you know it makes Everton look as bad as they did uh, on Saturday. Struck me like the decision making just throughout is, is is the real frustration, isn't it? They, especially when we go behind the games, they they just lose their heads, don't they? They they throughout the team. Is, you've 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 both played football at um, at, at some level, I'm sure, and. You know when like the team like even like five aside or seven aside one. You know when you're just getting battered and you're just losing concentration altogether, and it just you, you just kind of can't wait for it to end. That's how it looked like to me. With like Keen and Keen and Holgate at the back, just amount of balls coming in the box, they were just letting them bounce past them, or just not really, you know, just losing focus altogether. Gomez never had any focus. Donny down the beak just didn't didn't quite seem that uh, didn't quite seem at it the whole game. Um, and the more the game went on, the more sort of out of ideas or out of sort of concentration, they seem throughout. And there was one bit when we actually got into their box and Iwobi was in and uh, he had a chance to play it back. He missed his ball back to somebody. It came to Van der Beek, so that was one mistake. It came to Van der Beek, he did a terrible shot. It got blocked, so it came back to Gomez. He did an even worse shot. I was just like, God, this is awful. <laughs> By the end, you could, kind of couldn't wait for it to end, could you? Just the, just the decision-making throughout was a real non-entity, really. It was real, uh, real frustration. And, yeah, that... The, mid, the midfield is obviously a, a big problem, um, and uh, are we are we just pinning our hopes down on the core? They coming back and settling that down a little bit more, and uh, making it a bit more competitive and much more energy in there because um, you could see that maybe as a three of the core and Allen and Van der Beek if he wants to go down that way. If there's enough energy in there and probably enough quality as well to compete compete well. Um, but yeah, then in that case, we just are we really just reliant on the Corey coming back fit and and sharp because it, it feels to me the last couple of games, the last couple of injuries he's had, he's been rushed back quite quickly, um, and then hasn't really found his peak or hasn't for some time. And we kind of need him, I think, the looks of things, hitting the ground running quite quickly, particularly in them away games because we can't rely on that Goodison crowd when we're away from home and we see how important that can, that was against Leeds and I'm sure that'll be important in a lot of the other games left yet. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, he'll be learning a lot about his players, I think, Lampard, won't he, in, in their games and uh, who, we can look, who we can trust in the games to come and who we can, who we can work with for, for next season also. So it'll be interesting to see what decisions he makes once, once he gets more, more bodies back into, into the squad. Yeah, I think there's there's lots of deficiencies within the team that when one thing goes wrong, it has a real negative effect across the entire setup of the team. The the functionality of the team gets gets uh, you know, it just gets blown out the water if if, if something 
goes wrong in in terms of like Andre Gomez. I've I've mentioned on the podcast before that you know one week he might get like a cameo appearance, like an eight out of ten, and then I'll give you two fours. And then I would, at Southampton when he when he came on, um, he, you know a lot of people were talking about his performance. That he's a bit of like an enigma for me because the, the, there was the Arsenal game this season when he came on. There was the the Merseyside derby when he first joined in the first season where he really showed up and showed what a good midfielder he is. Um, but it, it, it's just I can't. Not, I, I can't remember a player who has such a chasm between his best displays and his worst displays, and he can go from one to the other in in the space of one game. Um, I remember at the start of the nineteen twenty season, going to Villa Park early in the season. It was sort of the Evertonians were joking that if we win at Villa, we go top. And Gomez put in one of the yeah. <laughs> he put in one of the worst displays I've seen live in, uh, from a player in an Everton shirt. It was just. His passes were away, you know, they were going everywhere, they were going out of play. He was letting players run past him, he was losing his marker. But then other times he looked so assured and so measured and it seems that unless Everton are injury-free and can set up perfectly, every player's game goes down by like 50%. It, it, it's very weird that as a collective, they all need to be on it to put in a, a solid result. And if one or two aren't on it, it just brings the team down with them. I, I, it's. I think it's as you mentioned, Lyndon, the psychology of it. They all need to. It's like cogs in a machine, isn't it? And I think few of the cogs, if they're not turning properly, that the whole thing just stops functioning. Um. So I think that's. I think next season when we can, as Lampard builds his team, we need more players that can that can show that consistency and that can can be in the team because you know it's been well documented we have had injuries, but. You know, in terms of Calvert-Lewin being in the side and trying to get back up to fitness, you've got to be playing to each other's strengths. You've got to be getting balls in the box for him. And I just feel that with the with the deficiencies in the team, it just falls flat too often. And you know, as we could see at Southampton in the second half, there was just there was just nothing there. Um, so it is. It's a worry that away from home, that that the drop off in performance, it's just so vast. And I think Andre Gomez sort of is the embodiment of that. He, he is capable of, you know, he's got real quality at times and he can show up. But other times he's a, a completely different player and I think that happens a lot within the Everton team. I think we, yeah, with, sorry, go on, Paul. I was going to say very quick, sorry. The, um, I think with Gomez, though, it's, it's really apparent, isn't it? And the um, when he when he does have that drop in, in quality, when he doesn't have that performance, it's, it, it's he's a total passenger. Isn't he? There's just nothing really he's contributing at, at, at that point. And you, you said there's that chasm between one one great game and then the next he can be terrible. It feels like them good games are more and more fleeting as his career is going on at Everton. It just seems like almost once in a blue moon now it's a good game. And it, it, rather than one, not even, I wouldn't even say one in five or anything like that. It just seems so, so infrequent now when he, when he, when he does perform well. I'd say normally, to be honest, when he comes off the bench, he normally, I think, normally gets into the game quite well. Normally when he's introduced, maybe at some point in the second half, when maybe legs are tiring a little bit, but maybe at half-time, I haven't been asked to do a role. Maybe maybe he was asked to do a bit a bit of an Alan role in a way because Alan wasn't going to be on there. I don't know, but um, he certainly just, certainly in this one, he, he, he really struggled to get into the game. Um yeah, so it, it just like uh, I was I was a big supporter. I think we all were, weren't we? We, we all loved Gomez that season he came in. Um 
and obviously with the injury, yeah, he really wanted it, you know, and he came back so, so well from the injury, you know. Um, remember his first game back against Arsenal away, he came on, didn't he? And like, just putting passes mm-hmm. around, looked really, really good. He thought, blimey, he's come back, he's come back amazing. He was so excited and it's sad and particularly it's such a bad injury. It, it, it's sad to see a player not be able to do it and I'm, I've no doubt it's related to the injury as well, whether that's a confidence thing or, or whatnot. It's um, it's sad, but it's um, it's hard to see a progression form at Everton, isn't it? It's hard to imagine him being there, being there long term, really, because it's um, it just there's not enough good quality performances from him, and it's, it's a shame because he's, he's popular, isn't he? But um, yeah, it'd be, a, be a decision for Lampard to make, but it's um, difficult to see him surviving at Everton. You would have thought. Yeah, I mean, he had the he had documented. Um mental health issues at Barcelona. I mean, that was one of the reasons why, you know, they they were keen to <clears throat> get rid of him, I guess, was that he just couldn't get over those. And it seems that the worse he played, the worse the reaction from the Barca fans was, you know, the, the more it weighed on him. Um, I mean, I, and that's got to be a component. I mean, how else do you explain these wild fluctuations in form? Um, but as you say, I think he's he's better coming off the bench because, he, you know, coming on as a sub, you almost have a, have a different... Um, different outlook on you kind of get charged up and think I can really make a, an impact here and, and try and change the game. Um, but, but it's usually his best games come when he's further forward. Um, and I think, as we said last time, you know, just, just keep him away from, from his own back four because hmm. he increasingly, he's just a liability. Um, I think so, the, the injury obviously I think has robbed him of some of his mobility, but he wasn't the, the fastest player to begin with. Um, but for me, the biggest issue is, just a lack of um, a lack of concentration. I mean that that you know when he gave the ball away um, last Saturday, uh, it was just a, a, a sort of lack of control, and then a, just a very um, sort of lackadaisical attempt to even reclaim it. Um, and who knows what's going on, you know, inside his head. But as I say, his his best moments in the last couple of seasons have come when he's been further forward. I think was it at Wolves he had that that assist with a brilliant cross. Um, so, you know, it's, it's rare that he has any, any offensive production, but that seems to be if we have to rely on him and that's, that's where he needs to be. Um, which is a shame because obviously we have significant issues in defensive midfield, um, even more so when you have to take Alan off and along that, on that same, uh, on that same issue, of course, um, Jean-Philippe Gabamans just, uh, departed, uh, another one to, to chalk up to the uh, the twenty odd million pound Everton flop, uh, it just it just uh, obviously another one with significant uh, injury problems. But uh, it would seem that neither Rafael Benitez nor Frank Lampard thought that he had enough going for him to keep him around. Yeah, it was that injuries or I don't know attitude maybe. I I, I don't know. I mean, um, he had that. Um... Yeah, that drink driving issue, didn't he? And um, it sort of held Barnes way, and he drink driving crashed his car or something like that. And I stuff with that. It's 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 not it's not a good look, obviously, for anyone, but for certainly for for footballers. And I don't know, like I don't know anything about about the lad. I don't know anything about was you know anything like that. But the, the the managers just aren't really wanting to get really wanting to give him any sort of opportunity at all. Um, he's been training for quite a long time, injury free. You know, it, it, it strikes me that it's, it, it's perhaps a bit more than just like, um, particularly when we've got no plays in that in them positions. It strikes me it's perhaps as just a bit more than than um, than his footballing ability. 
Um, it could be attitude. It could, I don't. I, I don't know. It could. It could be. It's just mental health again as we discussed it could be his focus isn't there he's had a real horrible time for the last couple of years it's um you know with, 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 with injuries and not being available and trying to come back from injury then getting injured again etc it's been a terrible ride for him in that regard hasn't it so maybe he's lost his way a bit maybe it's you know it's maybe he's really not enjoying it much maybe he needs that change I, we don't know what goes on do we obviously but um it just strikes me that it's it's perhaps a little bit more than just uh footballing ability because you know, the, the the it's it's that sort of gaping call we've had in defence, and other than that, what wall was it was it away at Wolves when he stunk the place out for forty five minutes, and then got taken out, mm-hmm. um, and a little what maybe ten minutes in extra time against the against Hull. Other than that, he hasn't really had any hasn't had any opportunity at all. I don't think has he? Maybe a little bit of time like when when the reserves played against Chelsea, and even then he came off the came off the bench and didn't start the game, you know, so it's, uh, it just strikes me that perhaps more to it than just, um, than just questioning his ability. But that's just my opinion. Just my, <laughs> probably just a bit of a crazy theory really, but uh, yeah, he's, um, how long, what's, he's probably got another year or so in his contract anyway, right? It's not like uh, he'll be, he'll be out the window. He's on loan until the end of the season. Is that right? Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah. And then the, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he's then back and then Everton in that situation of struggling to offload another player and uh, well, we've had so many of them over the um, over the last how many years now are just players that um, that we haven't been able to get rid of on, on big wages signed signed for big money etc. So uh, I guess he I guess he probably joined that list I imagine until unless he unless he really shines at CSKA uh, and then um, yeah but might end up. Kind of lumbered with him in a little way until until his contract's up. The way we have, the way we have been, and still are with one or two as well. So yeah, it's uh, it's certainly it's certainly a position to address, isn't it? As well, but bear in mind the age of Alan as well. What's well, he's over thirty now, isn't he? He's he's not the fastest anyway. Mm-hmm. He does an effective job, but Lampard's thinking long term. He's obviously got to think that that that's got to be a key position. The whole midfield, really, but certainly it's got to be an area they've got to um, got to look at. And you look at injury problems as well to some of the other players. And can Davis recover to, from injury? Can Decore get himself properly fit? You know, what I mean, I think we definitely need to bolster that area. I guess people will question why didn't we bolster that area in January? Why did we sign Ali and Van der Beek instead? People might ask, but uh, yeah, it's, it's or Al Ghazi more more likely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd even forgotten about him <laughs> already. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he was a wasted loan. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a conundrum. I think we've got to, we've just got to get home, haven't we, for this season? We've got to we've got to you know get ourselves secure and uh, let Lampard plan and build for the um, for next season, really. And uh, be very interesting to see what he yeah, you know, assuming we stay in the league, you know, what what his plans are for for who we bring into them positions. Um, yeah, be interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a shame with with, with Gabamon because on on paper the deal that we did for him is sort of what I envisioned Everton to do under Mashiri when the money came in and we got a director of football, you know, a player from a from a different league who's you know in his early to mid twenties. He's you know played at a top level in one of the top five leagues, but he's you know a bit of a gem maybe. Um, and I remember I went to Germany to watch Everton in Mainz. I watched Everton lose two games in the same afternoon. Which is quite cool. Uh, quite a cool little thing to say, you know, in the terms of the Everton that pantheon. Uh, and then I went a week later to watch uh, Werder Bremen, and after the week after we 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 started the season at Crystal Palace, and Gababin made a little cameo, and it stuck with me that 
he he needed a second too long on the ball for me. And that that first game is almost it's nearly three years ago. But that's the biggest probably I've seen him, you know, before his injury. Um so it's a shame that he never got up to speed with the with the Premier League. He never had that opportunity at all. I think he's only played six games for Everton. Um, so it is a shame that on paper, that move is sort of what I wanted Everton to do. But it, it just obviously didn't come to fruition. And, I, you know, I feel very sorry for Kabamon that he went through that during a, a global pandemic as well. Living in a foreign country, not able to play his football, going through an injury and the rehab that comes with it. Um, from the little snippets you see on like the YouTube videos that Everton release, he did seem a, a positive, smiley character. Um, but I, I do think I do think there's probably no way back for him. I, I don't see him sort of going to Russia and then and then coming back ready to play. I saw a few moments from him in pre-season sort of training videos where he, you know, he's definitely got the attributes to be a good player and he's got he's he's got quality on the ball, but. It is. I think out of all the transfers we've done, this is probably the one that's that's been most unlucky for the player and for Everton. Um, but hopefully, you know, we can we can go forward now. Gabamon can reignite his career there, and we we can bolster the midfield in the summer. Yeah, it's no question that he has been unlucky, and it's unfortunate because we don't still really don't know what he's about. Yeah, you, know, I mean, you know, is he actually any good, or is it as you say, you know, just the result of? Not being having enough time to get used to the to the game in England and all those kind of psychological you know issues that go along with with that succession of injuries. Um, I think he was he played in the Milanarios um, friendly in Florida and you know he seemed pretty tidy on the ball, but you know if we if we'd brought him in as a defensive midfielder or a holding midfielder, he didn't he doesn't strike me as much of a tackler to me. He seems to be quite you know as I say tidy and graceful on the ball, but he's not the kind of terrier that, that we really need uh, in front of the back four. So it almost seems to me like we need three new players to that team who can operate in a defensive holding role, given Alan's age, given the fact that Gomez is not the answer there, given that Decore is, is you know, as we've all seen better going forward himself. Um, and hopefully Tyler Onyango is one of those, but it feels like that's an area of the team that, that, that we need we need to strengthen because just on the whole, on the whole, we're just too easy to beat. Um, and I think away from home, we need to get back to basics and, and concentrate on being much harder to beat away from home, particularly for the remainder of the season. Um, you know, the, the way that we that we played at Chelsea, I think, needs to be the blueprint um, for Lampard going forward, given um, what he's seen. I mean, he, he's obviously had his eyes opened a couple of, on a couple of occasions now as to as to just how porous this team can be, um, and so I think that for me, if I think we need to concentrate on yeah being hard to beat and just trying to pick up pick up draws away from home, um, you know, because if we average if we average a point a game for the remainder of the season, we should be fine, and obviously the key to that is just not losing away from home. Yeah, you mentioned the Chelsea game. They did well, the lads there, didn't they? The young, uh, mostly a young team, but I mean, I, I, I did worry that the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, Chelsea had a lot of chances, didn't they? And you wonder if they'd have put one of them away, mm-hmm. it, it could have been a different story. I think if we're looking for the blueprint, I'd probably say, well, I thought we were excellent to at Brighton earlier in the season, or Manchester United, I thought Old Trafford did very, very well. Maybe one of those two games would be be a good blueprint. I thought United was a good good uh, example of how to sort of dig in and try and hit on the counter quite well. I mean, did that well. And um mm-hmm. 
yeah, um, a few injuries obviously since then it, it did really obviously affect um, affect Rafa Benitez. But um, yeah, that, that, that's another story. Um, on on Gabam and Quick though again, just um, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Al. Like, it, on on the face of it, it did look like the the, the, the right sort of sign and that Everton should have been making back then. And he played the full game against Watford, didn't he, at home? And for Brooks, came back again. Yeah, a bit of work, but he looks okay. He look, you know, he, he, he might be a, he, he could he could be a decent player. He had the big go- big holes are, holes are filled with uh, Adrissa Gay gone, didn't we? But yeah, he could he he could be all right. But uh, yeah, then we didn't see him again pretty much, right? For the whole time so um yeah let's hope it works out for them um but yeah it'll be interesting to see how we address that in the summer um but yeah we've got to fix these away games somehow or other we've got a do we just need that one i don't know could, that, that one good result might just give them that confidence you know i mean if we could uh nick a draw at spurs or whatever whatever away games come after that maybe, maybe just get that get that one one nick a win somewhere or just get one it might just sort of Given that little bit of a springboard, so I think they could, you know, I think that's, I think that's just the biggest thing for them, isn't it? Confidence. Um, maybe the more games we have at home, and you know, that that may just finally trigger something, and players come back from injuries. But well, will hopefully make a difference. But um, they just so look, look so brief the confidence. And Lampard mentioned it in his um, in his post match uh, press, press conference, didn't he? Just the first sign of trouble for these lads, the first sign of things going against them. They they do shrink, and it's. Um, they, 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 I don't think I've seen them shrink quite as badly as they did that second half against Southampton. It was um, it was a real worry the way they did that. So, yeah, this has got, got to find a bit of an improvement in confidence somewhere, um, and the results should probably probably come from there. I would have thought. Yeah, I think I think a win at Southampton, if we'd if we'd managed to pull it off, it would have really changed the whole dynamic at how you look at the league table, because um, you know Southampton were able to pull away then even further to, to you know like solidify their place in the top ten. And then I think a few, you know, a few results that the, the table is, it's so, it's quite bizarre at how much it flips from week to week in terms of how you can look at it. Because um, I know that we've got games in hand on teams like Brentford, Palace are a bit above us. The teams below in the relegation zone aren't that far behind. But then you look at it and you think, well, we can maybe pick up a win there. We can pick up a win there. But I think looking at the fixtures, I know we go to Watford in a few away games time, but that Southampton one was, I think, the real one where we could have taken a real step forward to catapult ourselves to a much better season. And I think looking back, that defeat could be real, real, you know, really seismic on on where we where we finish at the end of the season. I think psychologically, then, then I think it always goes back to that with this Everton side this season. I think it is about mentality. I think it, I think a win at Southampton then it would have been massive just in terms of the dynamic of the table bringing teams closer to us, getting away from those below. And now I think, looking at the fixture list, I think it's just going to be a week-to-week basis now where it changes. I think I think last week, the weekend was probably our chance to, to take a big step forward and push forwards with Lampard. Whereas now, I think it's going to be a bit more uh, tetchy and a bit more nerve-wracking as we go through the season. Because we do have some, you know, there's difficult games in that list, in that run. Yeah, there are. It was actually one of the things that I actually forgot to to mention on last week's pod was that it's conceivable that we weren't going to get any points from the next three. You know, Southampton away, City at home, Tottenham away. Um, you know, obviously the psychology of that from the supporters' standpoint is um, that really makes it you know, like you know squeaky bum time. But I think, it, and I'm sure Lampard's taking the same view as you've got to try and look at the fixture list as a whole and 
focus on the games where you can and should be picking up points and just make sure that you do um, in those games. Um, but that's probably you know, a good segue into the into the City game, which obviously we have on Saturday. Uh, as I think I've mentioned before, it's normally a, a complete write-off for us, whether it's home or away, that fixture. Um, the drumbeat doesn't seem to have been as loud so far. Maybe it will be over the, as, the, as the days go by until the weekend uh, about, you know, from fans geeing each other up to, to get into the ground and make some noise. But I hope that, you know, we do have a repeat or something close to what we had um, against, um, you know, obviously in the last home game. Um, because I think that once you get to the day, evening game, under the lights, you know, raucous crowd, it's 11 against 11. And yes, they are perhaps, you know, the best team in the world right now. Um, but no one's, no team is infallible. And I think if we get up to it, get up for the game in the right way and approach it in the right way, um, and don't, don't obviously don't get too cavalier, but obviously don't pay them too much respect, then uh, I think there's there's no reason why we can't get something out of this one. Yeah, I think I think the setting is you know the half five kickoff. I think whereas the fans came came to the fore at the start of the Leeds game and kept going with the players, the fans will do that. But I think I think this one is more on the players. Just be just in terms of as you say, Lynn, they're probably the best team in the world, and you need to the players need to show that they're up for the fight in that first ten minutes. So they they need to have a real energetic start to the game. I think because I think in terms of you know Goodison under the lights, it, you know we're still in February. It'll get darker, and I think the atmosphere has the potential to be really good. But I think Everton really need to to go strong from the very off, and you know, real really battle um, at the start of the game to keep that uh, atmosphere going early doors. Because I think City, one of those sides, once they got on the ball, it's very very difficult to get it off them. And I think that's where Goodison could maybe lull a bit. But so I think I think this I think you know last week the fans really came through and worked in unison with the players and I think this time it'll be on the players to get it going get it really started keep it going and then again hopefully we can work in unison to you know have one of those famous performances against a a city side that you know as we've seen they, they can be beaten. I think some early tackles would really help, wouldn't it? Getting the crowd up, I think that'll make a big difference. The um... If we had that same support as we did against Leeds, um, then yeah, obviously give the players much more of a chance. But uh, we used to, I always hop back to the Moyes days, I suppose. But the it's it, it was them sort of games where and it went like uh, you know Moyes would know the importance of like winning your early battles and making your early tackles and he draw on the crowd and we've got to kind of do a similar thing if we got to beat City at home. I think other than that, um, since we beat them four 0 that time. Is it? Have we lost everyone since then? Or did we, did we maybe draw one, draw one at City the season after? I think in the, early in the season. I'm not sure. On the Cumin. Um Anyway, yeah, I think we, we must have lost pretty much every single one since then. And they've, they've, they've all been like they've all kind of followed a similar pattern, haven't they? When they just they've turned up, knocked it around. They've had a little bit of a go, but just you know they, they've, they've beaten us quite easily, really. And, I don't think in any of them games that I can recall, we've really set the tone quickly and early in the game and gotten into them early. And um, I think if we're going to beat City at home, it's we. I think we've spoken on the previous podcast about like drawing on that Goodison crowd and that raucous atmosphere of Goodison. That um, to do that, you need to be making them early tackles and and getting into them early. Um, I think that's going to be 
that's going to be key if if we're gonna if we're gonna come up trumps against City. It's going to be hard, isn't it? Obviously, it's. Um, I, I wonder about personnel. I mean, they're saying. Um, did Frank say last week the Corey could be back for this one and Gray could be back for this one? Um, apologies if this sounds a bit pessimistic. I'm just wondering is it is it is it worth risking them players if they're sort of maybe fit? I, I'd only sort of want them going for that if they're definitely fit. I'd, well, I wouldn't want them to do because let's face it, they play, they play this game. We could play our best against Man City and still lose. I take them to come in, get rushed back, play the game, pull out injured again when they're very important players. When we're playing Ball and Wood about this time next week. Surely that's an opportunity to sort of give the core a minutes, give you know, um, get hopefully get some goals in Calvert Lewin, and give them Ollie Gray minutes, give whoever you know that that's surely got an opportunity to get them players injured. And I'm not saying if the, if you know if the fit obviously play them, but I, I wouldn't want them if they're I don't know 75% fit, not quite fit. I wouldn't want them getting this for the game because I think the bigger picture is the other 15, 16, whatever games are probably it's important that the fit for most of them games, not have a go at being fit for this one. And then be out injured for several more, if you know what I mean. So I just think that I, I wouldn't want players personal risk than this one if they're not fully fit, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, th- I think the predicament Everton and Everton find themselves in, and how Lampard's having to juggle the team so early into his tenure, I think to be honest, it would be sensible to have that outlook and maybe not risk them, even if they are fit, because you know it would be a disaster to put them into that game. You know, if if the if the result isn't positive and they, you know, have they have a setback. Obviously, you can't wrap them in cotton wool, but for that game, I think where Everton are at, Lampard maybe does have to be tactical in how he uses his best players. And Decore and Gray have have had such a big impact on the Everton side this season that they are like integral players. And you know, you you don't want to not throw games, so to speak, but you, and you you don't want to go in with a weakened team, but. The way that the squad is with fitness issues and those worries around the squad, I think it's sensible to maybe rest them for that game. You know, maybe have them on the bench, see how the game goes, and see if you can use them. If you know, say Everton were drawing or winning late on, but I think it's important that Lampard really assesses that and looks at the the sort of the opposite ends of of Man City and Boreham Wood as an opportunity to to push the squad on. Um, but as you said, Paul, you're right that the last time we beat them was uh, 4-0. Then we drew uh, in the early stage of the season when Rooney came back. And then we've actually lost the last nine against City. <laughs> it's that many. Yeah, so again, it's it's that psychology again. It's it's similar to the runs that we've been on away away from home against the, the sides at the top of the table. Again, it, it's there that... You know we've not won, we've not beat City for nine games, and I, I don't know if that has an effect on the players whether they go into games with that outlook. They probably don't, and you know it, it's. I'm sure a lot of teams have lost their last nine against Man City, but I think it's it's going to be a real test. But I think with those players coming back, yeah, I just think Lampard does need to be a bit sensible and have a real think about how to utilize the squad best for the for the remaining three months of the season. And of them nine sort of games against Man City, like how many of them could you think of when we left thinking like, oh, that was unlucky? Yeah, I mean, we are, we could we could have got something from, from that. I, 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 I'm not trying to be too, again, pessimistic. I can't think of any from them where there, there, there might be one somewhere. I don't know. from Off the top of the head, I can't think of any of them which you thought, oh, that was, yeah, we could have got something from that. They've normally been a bit of a walkover. Remember one, was it Carlo's first game there? I think that we lose 3-1 and... I remember, like City were just kind of in second gear for most of the game and just sort of strolled through quite comfortably, you know. And and we've, we've been unfortunate to play City when they've been pretty high temper a few times and they've uh, 
wipe the floor of us. Um, last game of last season springs to mind as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been some horrendous results against them. So, yeah, in that regard, well, while I sound a bit pessimistic about the game, maybe, yeah, maybe with the Goodison crowd, maybe we can make them out the tackles. Maybe it's time to to not make that 10, at least in a row, would be, would be something, yeah. wouldn't it? You know, to, to get someone from there. And uh, Everton aren't synonymous for losing 10 games in a row to a team. Surely that can't, that, that that's a sort of record we can't, can't be having, is it? You know, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> now that I'm aware that it's that many games in a row that we lost, I knew it was many, you didn't realise it was that many. So, um, yeah. Um, well, again, without sounding pessimistic and too down, eight of those nine games as well have been defeated by two goals. So a draw in this game, Again, mm. going back to the psychology, a draw could be huge for Everton's season. Absolutely massive. And, you know, I think we are capable of, of getting a draw with Man City at home, as good as they are. Um, but, again, it's like I mentioned earlier, the conditions have to be right. Everything has to go perfectly for Everton. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a good opportunity. It's a worry. And, you know, chances are it won't you know be a, a positive result for Everton. But I think we've definitely got enough. But we can we can maybe uh, get Nick a draw, which could, would be huge for the season, I think. Did we draw with them? Sorry, just quickly, and I'm sorry. Did did we draw them? Um, did we actually draw in ninety minutes with them against them in in the cup last season? I could have said they they sneak two goals late in the game. Um, and they beat us two 0 in the cup and Virginia had one for them. Yeah, yeah. There was that 0 0 after ninety minutes. Um, oh, but did they win in extra time? No, I think it was inside 90, I think. Didn't the Bruyne score late, like in the 80s? Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. I'm going to say it would have been something to hold on to, at least if we've managed to draw them once for 90 minutes, at least. But, uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt you that, then. What are you going to say? Yeah, no, I was just going to agree that, you know, it, it, yes, it does sound pessimistic, but, again, it comes down to managing the squad and managing the, 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 the fixtures that are remaining and treating them as a whole. Um, and I completely agree that if Ducuri in particular is not fully fit, then I wouldn't risk him from the start in this one. Um, but I mean, I think in terms of in terms of team selection, I, I think we, he needs to now focus on players playing in their natural position and picking his best eleven um, that is obviously available and fully fit. Uh, you know, the John Joe Kennett left back. Great to reward him for a terrific performance against Leeds, but um, you know I think that there are occasions against Southampton. I mean, there was one where he, he tried to sort of put it down the line with the outside of his boot and it went straight into touch. I mean, there are just things like that where you just you need to take a step back and say, okay, we need a, a natural left back playing left back. Um, and you know, I think it's high time now that Deli Ali was started, um, and maybe he takes a Wobie's position. But I think we now need to start leveraging the talent that we have in the squad and, and putting our best foot forward, um, particularly in the games after after Boreham Wood. And Boreham Wood's obviously an opportunity, I think, to give the likes of Nathan Patterson a go, um, obviously without you know risking it too much. I mean, they're a non-league team. Uh, but beyond that, then I think we, we need to look at this home stretch and be putting our absolute best team out there, um, you know, so that we can... Try and pick up as many points as possible. Would it be worth playing Townsend in, in, like inside that? If you're looking at like three in midfield or midfield three, I know you just mentioned playing plays in their positions. I know Rafa Benitez played. He trusted Andros a lot, didn't he? Obviously, and he, he played. He played Andros a couple of times in the middle. I think. Um, I'm just thinking of like a, mm-hmm. a more reliable body in there. Um, Dan, well, we've we've mentioned Gomez enough, but like yeah, then Dan, Dan here, I suppose because. 
I think if you got like if you got Allen and you got someone who's disciplined like Gomez and Van der Beek, maybe just allow the Van der Beek to free him up to just provide a bit more quality, you know, a bit more um, you know, a bit more quality further forward to try and hopefully. Did you mean Townsend, not Gomez? I mean, sorry, yeah, I mean, to say Andro, I made play Andros Townsend and the Gomez. Did I say? Did I say Gomez? I, <laughs> I'm getting my wires crossed. Yeah, and yeah, Andros Townsend. I mean, yeah, playing him instead of uh, obviously instead of Gomez. I just feel like that might you can, if you can got them them as a sort of a bit of a two, Alan and uh, and Townsend, and then Van der Beek maybe a little bit ahead. He can perhaps maybe free up Richarlison a bit more, free up Dali Ali if he plays, or, or Gordon, or Owobi, or whoever plays there, and maybe get the ball into Calvert-Lewin a bit more. I'm just thinking of a bit of, of a different option, because, um, again, I wouldn't want to be hoping that Gomez is, you know, or having to rely on the hope that Gomez has that one good game in however many, you know what I mean, to, um, which we'd need for to be competitive against Manchester City. I'm not saying he'd do an amazing job in there, but I think you could rely on Gomez to do a disciplined job on there. I and mean, he's not bad on the ball, is he? He's, you know, he's a reliable, reliable lad. So that that might be maybe the route I go down if I was looking um, for an option in the midfield. Um, even though he, you know, it's perhaps a, a bit a bit away from his natural position. That just seems like maybe a bit more of a realistic option to getting someone from the game. And it's someone experienced too. You know, he's he's experienced. Um, and I was actually thinking the same thing as you did, but and the other option was potentially putting Seamus Coleman as a sort of right side, right sided player in a in a in a midfield three with obviously more defensive responsibilities to allow you know the other two. This is obviously if if Decore can't make it, and then and then putting Kenny right back. That's another option. Yeah, I think I think Townsend's industry is what what really goes for him in that sort of game, and I think it was at Wolves away uh, in the second half when we were trying to get back into the game. He sort of played as the most advanced midfielder, and he was actually able to get on the ball. He wasn't almost a number ten, but he was advanced. And you know, Townsend, he's one of those players that even when he doesn't have a, a particularly good game, you know, his, his goal and assist record is actually quite good. So he is he's a really useful member of the squad to have. Um, but yeah, it's definitely one to think about, isn't it, for Lampard, of how he can, you know, what the, the bare bones that he's got, how he can make this work. Well, we shall see what happens. It's not going to be an easy one. All right, so we'll do our, um, our weekly question. And this week, I asked the fellas to name something from football's past that you would like to bring back. Well, I'll go first. For me, it's the uh, the three pm kickoffs on a Saturday. Um, it's just I remember growing up. There were there were so many three o'clock kickoffs, and the, the, there was the buzz on the Saturday afternoon, seeing the results come in. And now it just feels that it's uh, the games are too scattered. I think for me, obviously, if you if you if you're a fan sitting at home across the weekend, it's great to watch the live games on the TV. But it's almost so scattered that you, you miss some of them sometimes because, you know, we've all got busy lives. We've all got things to do. Um, and so it is. It's difficult to keep a track sometimes. And I feel that, you know, Everton, you know, we're not on the telly all the time, but a lot of our games will be featured. And it just it it loses some of its uh, go into the match. It loses some of the, the special feeling around the game when some of those early kickoffs or the later ones, whereas the three o'clock, it's it's just great as a match going fan to to wake up on Saturday morning and have that routine of going to the game at three o'clock. You finish at five. So for me it's it's the it's the it's the regular the regularity of the uh 
three o'clock Saturday games down at Goodison for me. I think you've certainly got much more of a like a spring in your step when you go into the match. It's three o'clock, haven't you? I think it just yeah. seems like obviously a much more much more natural time to sort of like meeting up your mates and whatever your sort of pre-match routine is. It's uh, yeah, it just feels much, so much more natural at that time, doesn't it? And yeah, certainly I think any, I think any sort of like you know any football fan, long-term, long, long-term going, going supporter. Um, yeah, but certainly like uh, always hark back to them sort of days of how much more fun it was when it was you know when it was just three o'clock and uh, that was largely it. So it's I guess as the like you know as the Premier League's growing as as football's growing, it's uh, I guess it was inevitability that it was just going to be chopped and changed to, to satisfy such a global audience, wasn't there? But um, yeah, definitely you're right. That's uh, that's um, I think that'd be top of most people's list, wouldn't it? Thinking about the three o'clock kickoffs. And it's just easier on the traveling fans. You know, that's that's one of the worst things about all these scheduling changes and, and, and you know, putting games on at 8.15 on a Thursday evening. <clears throat> you know, it's for traveling fans. It's it's a nightmare. Yeah, I think people mentioned that for Boreham Wood. You know, that I think there is something in that, that their biggest game in, in maybe their history is is going to be on a Thursday night. It's difficult for people. You know, those Boreham Wood fans will have to take probably two days off work. Mm-hmm. They'll have to get the travel down. It's just it's just awkward, isn't it? As you say, Lyndon, it's with the match going fine. If it was Saturday, they can make a weekend of it and you know, the memory would probably be even greater. But it's just a shame that those those T V schedules have they have they've changed match day for the match going yeah. fan. They really have. It's it's a very different experience, I think. And sometimes you're like nestled down to watch match at the eight at the end of the night and there's only like, like four games on or something like that. And you've probably seen two of them. Because <laughs> they were giving us like an early yeah. kick off and a late kick. I'd be like, oh, well, this is kind of pointless, <laughs> isn't it? You know, so uh, yeah. And I think for the, um, there's there's a certain amount of teams in the Premier League that have, uh, they've got, they were sell out their away end every single time. And Everton uh, are lucky enough to, to be one of them, to, to have the support base that has one of them teams. And so there's, this uh, show you on the Evertonians who who will not miss a game no matter what. I I, I know a fair few, and they um, what you know they will do. Many of them will do that regardless, whatever time of day, whatever time of day it is, whatever whatever the game is, whatever time they have to take off work, they just find a way to do it, don't they? Yeah, you know I mean, so it's uh, certainly for the away fans, it's uh, it's much more accommodating if it was uh, if it was three o'clock, and they should be more accommodating, really, shouldn't they, with the, with the way they, they, they handle the fixtures, so not as you just mentioned, Bournemouth coming up that far on a um, on a Thursday night, and. Yeah, you know, they should make that more accommodating. I mean, you sh- you shouldn't have to play Newcastle away midweek or a Monday night or something like that. You know what I mean? It's uh, and it it, it wouldn't I, I wouldn't have thought it'd be that hard to figure out to sort of minimize that as much as possible. But um, something they just TV wins at the end of the day, doesn't it? They just uh, they just do whatever, uh, whatever, whatever suits. And we've had to play Newcastle away um on like a Tuesday, and they're gonna have to come and play us away on a Thursday. I know one's been rearranged. Well, I think it was Thursday anyway. I think wasn't it in the first place? So. Yeah, just uh, there's no real common sense involved, and yeah, if there was any way of making that ever turn to sort of basic three o'clock, then obviously make make it make it better for everybody, wouldn't it? Yeah. What was your pick, Paul? Um, there was two. If I could have, can I have two? Sure. Um, <laughs> the load of this, not well, mine. <laughs> <laughs> one was um, one was the uh, well. It, it, it's three kits a season now, isn't it? it has been for some time. And if you, I think it was much, uh, kits are much more memorable when it was um, like a home away. So it, one, one kit, they'd bring a new home kit out, then the next season they'd bring a, a new away kit out, and you keep that home home kit for two seasons, and then you're waking mm-hmm. for two seasons, and so on and so on. And that way you get a bit more excited about the about the kits when they came out. And now uh, three, 
three um, three new kits a season. They come and go. I barely bat an eyelid, to be honest, when I see the kits come out now, because it's how much different can they make them each time, and how many different it's it, it's it's just gone a bit a bit silly. Um, I'm a, um, one of the pods a few weeks ago. Al, you mentioned that oh, we beat South, Southampton three 0 away. We were in that army kit. That, that, that kit had been completely erased from my from my memory. There's been that there's been that many kits, you know. So um, yeah, I'd like to get back to that. I think Brentford have um, uh, they've decided. I think from a sustainability point of view, they want to make their I think they're keeping their home kit again for next season. Um, whether that might set off a trend of bringing this back, I don't know. But certainly, you think back to the kits we used to have, and you recall sort of fond memories of you know results when we played in this kit and that. And it's hard to do that these days because there's so many different kits. And uh, yeah, and then the, the, there's obviously the, the added third kit as well. I just find it insane how many, many different kits they can bring out in um, in one season. Um, so yeah, I'd get back to the the, the old home away kits. Um, on alternate seasons would be my one. What was your other one? <laughs> the other one's a bit more basic. It's just the 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 ability to just go with the game, kind of when you want to. I mean, I guess it's a it's a um, it's it's an effect, I suppose, of um, Everton again being well supported. Then we got you know huge seasons like a waiting list. We sell out each game. Um, so it, you know, it, it's I guess it's a consequence of having a, a good, uh, a very good, loyal, eager fan base that you can't do that. But remember, when it's a bit younger, you could um, you could just decide, or a lot younger, you could you could just decide on the day. I mean, so we just go, oh, fancy going to the game today? Yeah, okay, you, you could just walk up, get a ticket. Okay, sometimes it'd be restricted view at the black back of the Gladys, but it was just like. And it doesn't affect me as much as much now, I suppose, because I've got a season to get not that game every time anyway. But just for people to have that option, that option again, when you could just decide on the day, oh, I fancy going to the game today. Yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, I mean, which uh, people generally can't do, at least, you know, not as easily, certainly, as uh, you used to be able to do. So, yeah, just maybe a bit nostalgic for that, for, for yesteryear. But, um, yeah, just when it was you know, much more simpler, just to, if you wanted to go to the game, just to be able to go to the game. and that And that was that. With my other one, so yeah, they're my uh, they're my two. Yeah, on the uh, on the replica kit one, um, I, I know that some of the bigger teams <clears throat> obviously make quite a bit of money from theirs. I think one of the teams at Real Madrid thought you know they could get Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo's transfer fee back just in in kit sales alone. I don't think Everton make as much um, f- from it as would justify the constant changes. Uh, I, the interesting thing in the in the states is that they hardly ever change, but to buy an official, you know, jersey for your your home team costs something like over three hundred dollars. You know, now obviously, if 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 if, really? if if the quality of it will hold up, you know, and obviously that I'm sure there are parents who would turn around and say <laughs> the kids barely last a season, but if the quality holds up, then you can you know you can. Just keep the design the same thing. Is it the same? Um, you know, put the price not obviously not three hundred quid, but you know, you could put the price up and try and even out the, um, you know, and make the same over over you know over the same period of time, but just keeping the design the same. Because as you say, it's it's like it barely changes now from year to year, um, and yeah, they just all they all start to blur into one after a while. I mean the com- the commercial aspect of the game as well. You've now got to the point with the kits where you'll get Norwich, for example, who play in yellow and green, wearing their away kits at Goodison. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, that, that, for me, is just too far. 
if there was like a football room 101, that would go straight in there for me. <laughs> yeah. It's just so ridiculous. It really irritates me. I'm, you know, all the teams do it now because they, I suppose, in part of the contract, they've got to wear it a certain amount of times. It just, it just shows how silly it is. Yeah, yeah. It all comes down to money, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> so my selection was uh, semi-finals at neutral club grounds again. Oh, yeah. And I, I know Great why job. they're, I know why they're at Wembley. Um, you know, to pay for the stadium. But for me, um, I much preferred it when, you know, it was it was tailored to which teams were playing each other. So, you know, if it was two northern teams, they'd be somewhere either in the Midlands or the north, um, which, again, goes back to making it easier for fans to get to the games. Um, but, you know, if you look back at, you know, some of some of the great ones we've had at Villa Park and Ellen Road, um, I, I like that. Yes, yeah, so I suppose it robs fans of a day out at Wembley, but uh, that that would be mine. No, that's a really good shout, London. I agree with that one because I, I feel that while you know the fans mm-hmm. of the, the clubs who don't reach semi-finals that much, they have that Wembley memory. I do feel like Wembley should be the final. It should be the showpiece, um, and I do think it, it loses that that sort of glamour and that special touch if if you have too many games in the competition at Wembley. So no, all really good shouts tonight. Yeah, hundred percent agree on that one. Um... Does surely gives like teams teams who are in London or you know nearby a, a bit of an advantage, doesn't it as well? I, I would have thought just not having to travel as far, and obviously it's better with the supporters. And it sticks in my mind. We had um when we had Manchester United um away in the semi final, which um the more recent one, which we which we lost late in the game. Um, I, did that go into extra time? I think it did. And then um and then coming back, so it was a late kick off anyway. And then by the time he got mm-hmm. sort of, you know, I think people probably missed trains because it was too late to get the last one. The time he sort of got back, and then down the M6, which is just crazy because they, they well have known that thousands and thousands of people both going the same direction from Manchester Liverpool were going the same way down the M6. They, they, they shut off a whole section of it for I don't know what 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 it was, but the for that it was so it was shut off for such a long period of of the motorway and the, the whole hassle of coming out and coming on again and it was such a horrible journey back after after demobilising the feet and stuff like that and yeah, there's no common sense involved in that, is there? If that was a Villa Park or something like that, it's it's no issue, is it? And again, going back to uh, to Wells, but that, that combines Wells one a little bit as well of like three o'clock kickoffs being more. It's now um, the Wembley, you know, used to always be Wembley three o'clock in the final, didn't it? And now it's um, it's half five, six o'clock or something like that. You know what I mean? So it's uh, yeah, it's all um, it's all changed, but certainly not to the to the benefit of the um, of the match going fan, unfortunately common theme of the match going fan getting the short end of the stick (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right well that should do it for another week thanks again to paul and l and to everyone for listening we'll be back around the same time next week to discuss the city game look ahead to the cup tie against boreham wood and the monday night football clash with spurs in the league and until then take care and up the toffees Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 